Hi everybody. You know, it feels really funny talking to you through a screen. I'm not sure I'm ever going to quite get used to it. I really love it when we're able to be together face to face. And who would have thought I'd ever said this, actually enjoy the heckling that comes. So today you're just gonna have to heckle your screen and um, wait until the day when we can be face to face and we can um, enjoy hanging out together. I've just got some thoughts today about Easter, obviously it's Easter Sunday. And I've just been thinking about some of the surprises of Easter and some of the surprises of this time. I don't know whether you're someone who likes surprises, perhaps like me, it depends what they are. And today we're gonna to be thinking about surprises around the Easter story. And also I'm gonna give you a chance if you don't already um, to follow Jesus for the first time a bit later on. So today we're celebrating the day that changed everything. You know, at Christmas, we have a wonderful time, don't we? Celebrating Jesus's arrival in the world, God becoming a baby. God became a baby? That's surprising for lots of people. And of course, babies do, like Jesus did, grow. He grew to be a toddler, he grew to be a boy, he grew to be a young man, he grew to be an adult. I wonder whether he had aunties around him, rather like me, who speak to my nieces and nephews when I see them and say, my, haven't you grown? You know, children do grow, and that's what Jesus did. That's not surprising. But as we read about Jesus in the Bible as a boy and then as a man, we see that he did amazing things, that he helped the poor, that he healed people who were ill, that he explained the truths about God and his love for people, God's love for us. And for many people, that was really surprising. And then we remember the terrible events of Holy Week, the week that we've just been walking through, how he had a meal with his friends, how he was betrayed by Jesus, one of his close followers who'd been with him for about three years. How he was falsely accused and how he died a brutal death on the cross, which was completely undeserved on trumped up charges. For his friends, that was really surprising. In fact, more than that, really shocking because that wasn't the end that they expected. They'd been following Jesus as the Messiah, as the King who was coming to change everything. They'd seen him work his miracles. They'd seen him reach out a hand and people were healed. They'd seen him resolve practical problems like feeding over 5,000 people just with a simple lunch. They'd seen him wipe away sickness and pain and the results of people's past just in a moment. And yet on that day, on Good Friday, it must have seemed that the bottom had fallen out of their worlds, that what they'd expected to happen didn't happen because Jesus died. And you know, as a church family, we've had time this week to think about the events of Holy Week. And maybe you've engaged um, using one of our kids packs. Maybe you've been cracking codes this week or making things or baking things as you thought about the Easter story. Perhaps you've been listening to Paul's daily reflections on Facebook, which have been really helpful and, and thought provoking. Maybe you've been reading through the Bible and answering the questions that Nigel posted in his booklet. Maybe you spent some time in our virtual prayer room. Perhaps you've been to one of our Easter services. Different ways that we found to walk through Holy Week together, even though that we're in our own homes at the moment. And I don't know about you, but for me, certainly the events um, and the emotions of Holy Week have had a different focus and a different resonance for me. And that has surprised me. I found it easier to relate to Jesus's friends when maybe on, good, on, on Thursday, um, he was betrayed on Friday when he went to the cross. As I've thought about them, I've been able to resonate with some of the emotions that they felt because in these times, I felt these emotions too, for different reasons, obviously. But I felt afraid, I felt anxious, 
I felt disappointed, I felt some loss. Those emotions have been quite to, close to the surface and it's helped me to relate to the people in the Easter story. And maybe in this time of lockdown, you have had similar experiences. Maybe you've got a friend or a family member who is ill with the virus, maybe has even died, and you're experiencing real grief and loss at this time. Maybe you're one of our teenagers or even a teacher, and you feel that the rug's been ripped from under your feet because all the work towards A-levels and GCSEs is over, and you don't even get the fun part of celebrating and having proms and all the end of term things. And this week, we obviously heard the really disappointing news, didn't we, that our national youth event, Dreaming the Impossible, has been cancelled for this year. And of course, it's not that unexpected, but it's really gutting, it's really disappointing. So perhaps you're feeling that loss and that disappointment. Maybe you've had some shock this week, you know, as Boris Johnson was taken into intensive care. And we were thinking, wow, he's the leader of the country and he's not around. And so maybe like you, like me, you've been praying for him and praying for the other leaders who've had to step up into different positions in his absence. And as I record this um, on Friday, actually, um, you know, I'm glad to hear that he's out of intensive care, that things are improving. But that has been a shock and an unsettledness for many people this week. And perhaps, too, you are feeling that unsettledness because you've been redeployed in your role. Maybe you've been put close to the front line than you expected or perhaps you're a parent who's having to homeschool and you weren't expecting to do that. You don't feel trained or qualified for the job that you're in. Different emotions in this time. But you know, that's why today is so important. Easter Sunday, or some people call Resurrection Sunday, changes everything. And as we saw in the video earlier on, Jesus's death on the cross was not the end. And so I'd love us to look at John chapter 20, and we're starting at verse one. So if you've got a Bible, got one on your phone, or you've got the, the proper paper version, do go and grab it. So John 20, verse one says, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And let's just stop there. I love that. In one of the other accounts in Mark, it talks about Mary coming to the tomb along with some other women. And on the way, they're talking about it and they're saying, what are we going to do? Because they were there when Jesus was buried. They know a really big stone had been rolled in front of the tomb so nobody could get in or out. And on the way, they were saying, well, so what are we going to do? How are we going to roll the stone away? They were worried about this big problem. And yet when they got there, the problem didn't exist. The stone had already been rolled away. And I wonder today if that's just an encouragement for us, that we don't actually have to worry about the big problems that we're anticipating in a day or a few days time, because we love and serve a God who can deal with these things. Then in verse two, it tells us that Mary ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. That's John who wrote this book. And she said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. And so it goes on to say that Peter and John, they run towards the tomb, they go inside and they see that Jesus isn't there. They just see the cloths that his body was wrapped in. And so then in verse 10, it says, well, they went home. But, you know, Mary stayed there. And on into verse 11, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave, 
and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognise him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought it was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. And you know, Mary was there in the garden and she was asking a really reasonable question. Where is Jesus? She knew where she'd left him. She'd been there when the stone had been rolled in front of the tomb. She'd seen that his body was in there and she hadn't been away for very long. And so the very reasonable question was, where is Jesus? And maybe today you're asking the same question. Maybe in your loss and your grief, maybe in loss upon loss over these weeks or disappointment on top of disappointment, you're actually saying, Jesus, where are you in the middle of this? because you can't see him. And the thing that I love about this story is that Jesus is right there. Jesus is right in front of her. And all it takes is for him just to say her name and she recognises him. I'd love to take a moment just to pause. So I came across a poem this week, which is called The Promise of the Empty Tomb. And I just wanted to read it and perhaps the words are going to come up on the screen and you just might want to think about what it says. The Promise of the Empty Tomb by Chloe Axford. The Promise of the Empty Tomb rips the rug from under your feet and says, hold on tight, we're going for a ride into the deep unknown. The Promise of the Empty Tomb says the story doesn't end the way you think it will. Yes, your future is set in stone, but I carved it and it's beautiful. The promise of the empty tomb says you are worth so much more than you think you are. You are to die for. And I did. The promise of the empty tomb drives nails through darkness and says, trust me, I have a plan and it is good. The promise of the empty tomb rolls back the stone, dances on death and says, why are you crying? Don't you know me? And as I was thinking about what to share today and thinking about surprises, I just wanted to encourage you, church, that the events of Easter week and the events of these times are not a surprise to the Lord. He's right here with us. Even if we can't see him, even if we can't feel him, he's with us. And in truth, church, you know, God has been, prepa been preparing us for this time for a long time. Of course, we didn't know that the pandemic was coming. We didn't know we'd be in lockdown and not able to get eggs or loo rolls. We didn't know we wouldn't be able to contact our friends or, or come close together. But over the far past years, in response to God's nudges, we've been being prepared for this time. Let's just think about last year when we had our year of biblical literacy. We spent time digging into the Bible together, didn't we? Seeing how today, Easter Sunday, is the central and pivotal point in God's rescue plan, in his story that spans thousands of years. And if you haven't been on that journey with us, well, we've looked at some wonderful truths. We've looked at how God loves us, 
He loves us so much that he sent Jesus into the world, the fulfilment of many promises. Because God wanted a relationship with us, he wanted to be friends with us. That's his initial plan. And yet we chose to go our own way. We as people, as individuals and as people through history have oftentimes put ourselves in front of God and haven't followed his plans and his instructions. And the Bible just very bluntly calls that sin. And the problem with sin is it is a problem because it separates us from God. And it's something that really breaks God's heart because he wants us to be friends with him, but sin gets in the way. And so God came up with the most incredible solution. He sent Jesus, his son. He sent him to be the solution to the sin, to the stuff that we've all done wrong. And that's what Easter is about. That's what Good Friday, Jesus' death on the cross, that's what Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday is about. It's about God bridging the gap between us. The thing that we couldn't do, we couldn't step across, we couldn't get beyond the stuff that we've done wrong. And yet God reached down to do that because he loves us so much. And this is a gift that we can receive. We can't do anything to earn it. We can't do anything to sort it ourselves. We just have to be humble enough to say, God, I'm sorry. I know that I've messed up and I know that I've done wrong. I'm sorry. And I want to live your way. And in a few minutes, if you'd like to do that, I'm going to suggest a prayer that you might like to pray. But perhaps you're just thinking, actually, I've just made too many mistakes in my life. Perhaps I've done too many things wrong. God couldn't forgive me. And the truth is that he's God and he loves you so much that there's nothing that you ever could have done that could stop him forgiving you. He's done it all. He's paid the price. He loves you deeply and he's eager to welcome you into his family. And yet, just like Easter Sunday, or it's actually a new start. You know, Good Friday looked like the end, but the end of the story isn't just that Jesus died. The end of the story is that Jesus rose again, that resurrection power is available to fill us and to change us, and that we can know a new beginning and a new life. And that life isn't on our own. I was just trying to do our best. That life is with a friend who's with us all the time. God promises to come and to give us his friendship. We have a constant companion. We have a friend who encourages us and strengthens us. And as we get to know him better, we just catch a glimpse of his glory and his beauty, how majestic and powerful and awesome and wonderful he is. He's a God who is strong and full of love and full of compassion and kindness. And maybe today that news for you is surprising news that you can be a friend of God. But it is good news, you know, it's called the gospel. The gospel means good news and that's the good news of Easter. And if you'd like to respond today, there's just a simple prayer that's gonna come up on the screen and perhaps you'd like to pray it along with me too. Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I've lived my life without you and have messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life and ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. And if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, well, welcome into the family of God. 
and we'd love it if you'd let us know perhaps you'd like to put a note on um, the Facebook chat or perhaps you'd like to email the office or come into our Zoom prayer call at the end so that uh, we can chat and pray with you some more we would really love to do that you know church many of you have, have known this truth for a long time you've known God's friendship and you're saying so how else has he prepared us over this this past season well if you think back as well as looking at the big picture of the story of God we've also been looking at emotional literacy we've been looking at emotionally healthy spirituality haven't we how to deal with and process grief and loss and pain how to process our emotions in a healthy way I don't know about you but I'm having plenty of practice in doing that we've talked about spiritual practices haven't we things that help us become more like Jesus and things that help us ground ground ourselves and root ourselves in who he is and this year we've actually been on the prayer course as well. And I don't know about you, but I've been so grateful for that course. In the past week, some of us have prayed far more than ever before because we've learned some tools on the course and we've seen around us many needs to pray for. And then the other thing that I love about the kindness of God is because we were doing that course, we just encouraged people to get into small groups, into life groups, didn't we? And there have been so many more people in life groups even before the coronavirus hit. And those life groups have been a lifeline for us as church family to stay in community. The kindness of God that we were in those groups and then when we weren't able to meet on Sundays, we had good connections already amongst ourselves. And if you've not been able to be part of one of those groups, we're starting new ones um, shortly after Easter. So keep your eye on the website. We'd love you to join in with one of those. So looking back, even though we're in a difficult and a dreadful situation globally as well as more locally, we can see how God has helped us and prepared us. And you know, many of you will have watched um, the Vineyard Legacy film last night where Carol Wimber, who is um, John Wimber's widow, he's the guy who started the Vineyard movement. She was talking and she reminded us that we're all unique and that we need to be in our place to do what God has called us to do with all our heart. And I just had a little thought about this because I wondered in this season whether some of us wish that we were in somebody else's shoes. We wish that we had somebody else's assignment in this season rather than our own. It may be that you'll run off your feet in a frontline job and that you would rather be at your home working your way through Netflix like some of your friends are. It may be that you're self-isolating and you are really bored. You haven't got any more weeds left in the garden to pick up and you're desperate to be out serving your neighbours but you know the kindest and the most loving thing you can do is to stay at home. Perhaps you've got children at home and you're trying to homeschool them or keep them entertained through the Easter holidays and you're at the end of your tether and you wish you were somewhere anywhere else. It's easy for us to look at somebody else's assignment and go, oh God, why didn't you give me that one? But the encouragement is that he's put each of us in our place. He knows us, he knows who he's made us to be and he knows what he's made us for. And so as we are prepared for this season, I just wanted to encourage you with something that maybe will surprise you this Easter day. And that is that being prepared for the season and being in the right place doesn't mean we have all the right answers or we get it right all the time by any stretch of the imagination. Being prepared means that we just know how to hang on to the God who knows the end from the beginning. That we're doing our best to stay connected with him through the ups and downs of every day that when we forget and when we mess up, we can just come back to him. 
And so in this season, I just want to say, so what is it that helps you connect with God? What is it that's going to keep you coming back into that friendship with him? Perhaps it's one of those simple breath prayers that Tess talked about the other week. Breathing in, I am here. And then as you breathe out, and you are with me, just reminding yourself of the presence of God. Perhaps, although every day seems the same, you're going to choose a day that you're going to call Sabbath and make it different from the other days in lockdown. Turning off the media or having particular focus on reading your Bible and connecting with God. Maybe in the time that you have, you're looking at really reading the Bible some more. A friend of ours said this week, you know, with this lockdown, we're not the same as caterpillars. Caterpillars go into a chrysalis and they can't choose how they come out. We can choose how we come out of this time. And that means that we choose how we use it. You know, there are all kinds of tools and resources available to help us connect with God, but the very simplest one is just humbly to come to him and turn your heart back towards him. And that's something that I'm fighting, I'm having to do more and more, particularly in this time. So on this Easter Sunday, my encouragement to you and to me is to hang on to God. Like Mary in the, in the garden, see if you can take time and pause and just listen to him call your name. Know him as your close companion your helper and your sustainer. And as we close, I wanted to read to you, it's a prayer from Ephesians. It's one perhaps you know well, but why don't you just take a moment now, you might wanna close your eyes. And this is how I'm praying for us today. I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. That Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we may ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen.